Hello, this is episode 59, and uh, it is June uh, 11th. June 11th. Beautiful day. I am sitting in my super-duper soundproof studio called my car to address with you a few things that I've been noticing online. Now, I don't want to make this a very highly productive or, uh, or produced episode. In fact, I've noticed that I am less creative when I do that. It just it just takes a lot of time and I, I, I psych myself out in actually doing it. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to put the microphone on and I am just going to tell you right now really quickly. Thank you for tuning in to your security because you are the security of your own life and your own business. Now, what is being talked about right now in the media and in, in uh, current events is the fact that uh, George Floyd was brutally murdered by a police officer. And uh, the police officer st- stood on the guy, you know, using his knee, stood on the guy's neck until he couldn't breathe any longer and he finally passed away. Now, terrible, tragic. And as you know from my background, I am an ex-police officer. So I do understand where police officers come from. I understand their perspective, uh, their, their view of life and their job, which is extremely difficult. Now, that isn't to justify what the police officer did, but I can tell you that I understand where that police officer's mind was at when it happened. Now, um, people are, and I want to get into this later, but right now on this episode, I want to talk about the thought or the discussion right now of defunding the police. I find that to be so laughable. Uh, And laughable to the point of just humorous exercise catering to a person's uh, strange emotions did you know did you know that more white people are shot uh, by the police officers than african americans i mean did you realize that that the the so the, con- the the current argument is police officers target out target black people more than white people and their abuse of authority and power is clearly seen by them killing unarmed black people. And so at first you would think, oh yeah, probably so. But then you start looking at the statistics and you notice that there are more white people that are shot than black. But then you say, well, let's see how what the population of black people are as, as opposed to white people or non-black in the United States. And you find out that 13% of uh, the U.S. population are African-American. So then the numbers start making sense and people start saying, well, yeah, but it is an inordinate amount. Uh, Of course, white people will be shot more because there are more white people than black. Now, guys, come on, let's put a big pause on that. Let me tell you something. If you look at any major city, the number of police officers assigned to police stations in African-American or impoverished. It's not just African-American. It's, it's mostly it's the impoverished neighborhoods, right? The indigenous neighborhoods. There are much more police officers in those areas than there are in the all-white or the affluent or the mixed affluent, upper-class uh, neighborhoods. And and it's, it's all over. I mean, you can't really say that the socioeconomical level of a community is one color or another but you can go to the different uh, police districts and you can see 
with your own eyes how many people are white, black, Asian, um, Hispanic in those different areas. Now, what I'm pointing out is this. More white people are shot than black people. And the number of 911 calls that come from or come out of the uh, African-American communities outnumber the the calls coming from white communities or non-black communities. So uh, the this narrative that police officers are shooting um, African-American people more than white people is, is ludicrous. In fact, it is more dangerous for an uh, interaction between a police officer and a white person. It's more dangerous for that white person than it is for the African-American guy. Just the, that's the statistics. That's truth. I mean, but the problem is Hollywood focuses on what's sensational, right? Um, and what is sensational is that there's some sort of division between the African-American and the police. That's not necessarily the case. And yes, perhaps in the 50s and in the 60s, maybe even into the 70s, we noticed that the majority of the police departments were majority white. But in the major cities in the United States right now, more than half of the police are African-American or Hispanic or a combination of the, of the same. Less than the majority are white. I mean, <laughs> let's just be honest. And then in the majority of the, of the major cities of the United States, the police chief, <coughs> whether it be a man or a female, is African-American or Hispanic. So where's the racism here? Now, let me understand, explain something. Now, people are talking about defunding the police and also talking about changing up their police training. So defunding the police would be removing the only people that are supporting that community. Now, what is it that, um, you know, why, ask this question, why do, why is there an inordinate amount of service calls, 911 calls, from the Latin American and Hispanic communities than, than the white communities. I mean, that's, it's, it's unusual. It's unusual. The amount of calls that come from those communities as opposed to the white communities is greater. Now, I, the reason why I think it is is because um, affluent communities, and I don't even want to say white communities because that is racist in and of itself, but the affluent communities normally take out their aggression and their frustration by legal means. They do it verbally. They do it uh, by writing a letter. They do it by suing somebody. But they don't do it by picking up a rock, scratching someone's car, busting a window open, uh, getting into a fight in the street. Because they just, they have the means to do it. And so, yeah, frustration is across the gamut. All people get frustrated with someone else. But the problem is, the, the difference is, in certain communities, it's taken out in a different way. It's, it's settled in, the, in court, whereas in other communities, without the money, it's settled in the street. So when those type of events are settled in the street, well, the police officers are called because against, it's against the law to fight in public, so police are called. It's against the law to shoot somebody, uh, so the police are called. It's against the law to... Um, sling dope. Uh, so that's, again, no more police calls. 
it's against the law for domestic abuse and again in lower economic neighborhoods we get more calls but these these calls again <laughs> so if we were to defend to defund the police what would happen then those off those uh, civil servants would no longer be able to apply or, or respond to those areas and would no longer be able to support the community so the community would fall back to what they know which is aggression <laughs> which is assault which is taking something that doesn't belong to them it's them it's those communities that would suffer the most without a police department you know what do i think you know, as a police officer ex-police officer what do i think about all this i think you know what you should do you should go ahead and do it <laughs> you should give all police officers a pass that's what you should do and I know the past sounds like it's a blessing or, or some sort of uh, a gift. No, you should tell all police officers for the next three months, don't come to work. Just don't come to work. Because, uh, and whatever reason, you know, give it the, the reason we want to cool down, we want to let a social rest. Three months, let all police officers stay home and see what happens. I'll tell you what will happen. We're going to see an increase in crime. We're going to see an increase in um, assaults and we're going to see an increase in vigilantism and then people will realize that police officers are needed they're, they're needed it's it's a it's it's just one of those society societal things that we need as a police officer now on the other aspect one was the defunding the police and the other one was additional training <laughs> i find that to be ludicrous as well additional training additional training in what a police officer has already been trained for hours, hundreds of hours, in how to properly administer the law, how to properly arrest somebody, how to properly put them in the car, how to properly send, bring them to jail and process them for their crime, and how to properly testify in court. All of that has been trained. Should they continue to receive training? Sure. But more training does not help them remember. It helps them become better at what they're doing. What happened in Minneapolis with uh, Chauvin and Floyd, uh, yeah, Floyd, was a issue of, of the heart, the issue of a uh, frustration and an anger and um, <laughs> other aspects. It had nothing to do with technique. It had nothing to do with understanding what they were supposed to do because they know what they were supposed to do. He did, that police officer, uh, Chauvin, did something extremely evil by taking that person's life. But he took that person's life not, not willingly. He didn't want to kill him. He wanted to, quote-unquote, probably, uh, I'm putting you know words in his mouth, he probably wanted to teach him a lesson. That's probably what was in his mind. I, I'm 100% I'm sure that uh, the officer never thought, that that officer never thought that he was going to kill George. I mean, let's just be honest. Why would anybody, anybody, tall, fat, short and thin, uh, police officer, uh, trash man, uh, professional doctor, why would anyone think that it would be a good idea to, to execute somebody in the middle of a street with people filming in the in broad daylight 
with tons of witnesses around. Tons means more than two, okay? <laughs> Open, overt witnesses telling you to get off his neck, get off his neck. So, no, I do not, I do not uh, support the idea that he knew he was doing what he was doing and he was going to kill him. No, he, he knew that he was applying pressure. He knew that he was hurting him and he did it anyway. He was, in his mind, torturing George without a doubt. He wanted to hurt George, but he did not want to kill him. So what does that mean? So, so back to the training. So the training is, is moot point. Training is not going to fix the police. I told someone recently, we were talking about this, and he was saying, well, what's the response? What should we do? And he was concerned that, um, you know, we should have additional training for police. And no, I don't believe that. I believe that there are people that are born to be good cops. They are born. It's something's inside of them. I don't know what it is, uh, um, uh, but it is inside of them. They are born to be police officers. And other people are born to be uh, soldiers. So what happens is when people go out to, to war, you have two individuals going to war and you have them see battle and uh, one person goes they all they all see battle they see the same thing they see death they see destruction and then they come back home one person is fine the other person suffers with ptsd one person has um uh, understanding of that it was a terrible thing and perhaps it saddens him but he doesn't have a debilitating response to the violence he saw same thing with police officers. You know, police officers, and I, and I can tell you this as a fact, you see the officers every day go to work. Same type of person, right? You have, you have um, two guys going to work, and, and this is me. This is me. <coughs> I would go there, and I knew without a doubt I wanted to talk someone to jail, and there were other people who wanted to fight someone to jail. I had, I saw, you know, I saw, sexual assault victim after sexual assault victim. I saw children's victims. I saw murder. I saw homicides. I saw uh, aggravated assaults. I saw theft. I saw all these different things. And yet I was able to compartmentalize those events and isolate them in my, in my mind and in my life, not letting them affect the rest of my social existence or, or who I was. Whereas other police officers I know for a fact, it affected them. Uh, it drove them to drink. It drove them to be angry at every, everyone else. It drove them to be difficult to be around with uh, their, their wife or their significant other. It was, it, was, it was hard. So again, people are born for certain jobs. And these two jobs, a soldier and a police, they are unique. They are unique. And so what should have happened? We should have, what we need to have in our police departments is a better filtering system to identify the people who don't need to be there. And we need to hold our leaders accountable. So, uh, you know, we find this out later that Chalfin had a ton of other issues. He had other events that were brought up to his chain of command where he was abusive of his power. This should have been addressed then. He should have been taken off the streets then. He should have been addressed. He should have been filtered out. No, but what we do is we let him stay. 
And so the unions, I mean, I know that they're trying to do the best job possible and protect police officers, I agree. But police unions, you have to also hold the leadership accountable. If, you know, there has to be some sort of threshold and leadership has to be responsible for what their, in, their subordinates are doing on the street. And that goes all the way up to the top. <laughs> you know, it's not just the sergeant over the senior corporal or the senior corporal over the patrol officer, but it's also the lieutenant and the captain, and it's also the chief. You know, all these people are responsible. Holds are, they are all responsible for what's happening on the streets to one degree or another. And if a person is being brought up in internal affairs multiple times for uh, abuse of power, then guys, we all know that that docket, that that folder got to the police chief's desk and the police chief signed off on him returning to the the road, to the street. So um, you are security. Your security, you must be aware of what's going on around you. And you cannot be, not, you cannot allow the emotion of the time and the event to distort your view of reality. What's going on right now is terrible. It's terrible because of the event. A person died that shouldn't have died. It's terrible because a, someone that we expect, a police officer, someone that we expect to be upholding the law, abused his authority and his power, his position and killed somebody. Terrible. And now we're seeing people that are taking this event and using it for their own good to achieve their their power and their authority and which is also terrible. It's taking it's taking rights and it's taking the power away from the innocent people and putting it in their hands and they are making they are trying to redefine the rules of society. This is terrible, guys. We must stand up, and please don't un- misunderstand me. All lives do matter. Black lives matter. White lives matter. Blue lives matter. And if we feel that we are being dragged one way or another in this fight, let's go back to the numbers. Let's l- stop thinking emotionally, and let's look at the numbers and ask ourselves what is right and what is wrong. We needn't be carried by the flotsam and jetsam on the ocean we need to stand firm as a rock because this will pass and if we let what's going on move us one way or another we will find ourselves in a world of chaos so i wish you all the best thank you so much for listening um I think I'm going to do this more often just like this, where I just have a microphone and just talk to you for 20 minutes. What do you think? Good? Bad? Different? Anyway, I want you to be safe. Uh, Please don't involve yourselves in any of these uh, um, protests. If you do, make sure that you're one of the first people there and the first people to leave because they normally uh, decline. They turn into chaos. Anyway, I talk to you later. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. I love you guys all. Bye-bye.